0: No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Fame. Uh, he liked to be walked on a leash and play really dirty, kinky sex games. Isa. The guy put the cock in the peacock network. Okay. Bitch. Hey everybody, AJ Benzie here with Fame is a Bitch. This is your free show for October 19, 2023. Hello, free birds. Hello, my free birds. I cut out the birds chirping. I gave you guys a break. All right. Agovino texted me and was like, where did you record that show? Were you outside? I said, no. I use uh, use an app of birds chirping. Why? I said, because I want to have some fun with the people who won't pay for the show. Now that I'm doing two free shows a week, every week, I want them to uh, understand that I give some, they give some. He's like, bro, it's unlistenable. I said, no, it's not. You can totally hear my show. The the chirping lasts for a few minutes, then it goes away. But, you know, Mike is a stickler. He's very good at what he does. He's got a career in this sort of thing. And I bow down to him when he says, no more birds. However, doesn't mean that I think you guys should slack off joining Patreon. I don't. If you want the goods, the real goods, think better of yourself. Go to patreon.com slash fame as a bitch. You know, I, I like it too when you take your kid into a pool. When they get to that age where, oh, oh, you know, I, I I love the pool, daddy. And they walk down that first step and everybody's holding the baby's hand. I don't mean baby, two or three year old. You know, they have their swimmies on, they have a vest on, but they can't swim yet. And they get to that first step and they love the water and then they splash it on their face and they oh, they love it. Come on, honey, come down the second step. No, no, I'm afraid, daddy. Come on, mama, come on, sweetheart, you got this. Second step, now they're up to their thighs. And then they sit there for a few minutes and you go, mama, one more step, sweetheart, one more step. I don't know why I'm thinking girls because of Joey's daughters and my daughter. Come on, mama. One more step, sweetheart. They're so nervous to go the extra step because they think that third step is a certain death. And I liken that third step for babies walking into a pool with you free birds not going to Patreon. Just take the fucking step. Five bucks. No one's going to get rich on your five bucks, but I want you to get the better stuff. I want you to be in the, the warm side of the pool. You're not getting the best show on the free show. I give my all, as we say in the business, I lung out the Patreon show. There's nothing to be left behind. It's strictly all of me. And as Billy Holiday said, why not take all of me, man? Can't you see? I'm no good without you. Okay, anyhow, let's move on. So I'm watching TV as I normally do at night. It's always on while I'm writing or listening to something. The TV's always on. I'm one of those people, I believe in television being on. Only recently have I started to shut it off as I go to bed. I've lived my whole life leaving the TV on, even as I slept. When I am with my kids, slumber party, whatever it is. Whenever me and my son slept in the same room, or Roxley slept in the same room with us, we'd leave TV on, we'd watch South Park. In fact, there's a very funny story on the Patreon show regarding that. Now I've learned to shut the TV off because it really does give you a better night's sleep. My girlfriend has taught me that. She doesn't like the TV on, so what am I supposed to do? I got to shut it off. But I'm sitting here, and you guys know when you grab the remote and you finally settle on watching a movie because. You're just too tired to keep scrolling anymore, right? You've gone up and down the dial. You see what's on. You know, there's Seinfeld. There's Friends. There's Impractical Jokers, which is on constantly. There's Joe Dirt. There's Grown Ups, the movies that run all the time. Every Adam Sandler movie. What can I watch? Last night, I find myself settling on Pearl Harbor with Ben Affleck, Kate Beckinsale, Liv Tyler, Josh Hartnett, who Hollywood was trying so hard to convince us that he was the next big thing, and he certainly wasn't. A lot like how they made us think Chris O'Donnell was the next big thing. And I remember seeing him going, this guy's a fucking dud. Why do they think Chris... Okay, he was in Batman with George Clooney, great, but he's not the next big thing. Hold that thought for a second. Whenever I see a guy like that, I'm not going to say he's gay. I have no clue. A little effeminate. Let's call him Beta. Let's call him Soy. You know, I I, I never understood why they were shoving him down our throats because he, he possessed nothing of an it factor or a wow factor. You put him in Batman with George Clooney playing Robin and you go, well, Clooney's gorgeous. He's clearly... A great actor, somebody you can't take your eyes off of, great voice, great register. And there's Chris O'Donnell playing Robin. Didn't work for me. And then you realize, well, this movie they were in was directed by the big, giant, gay, queer, Joel Schumacher. Okay? And I've been in Joel Schumacher's home. Do you know he's got a framed picture of George Clooney and Chris O'Donnell in their Batman and Robin costumes, but the pictures of them, the pictures of them from the back where George Clooney has his hand on Chris O'Donnell's butt cheek and Chris has his hand on George Clooney's butt cheek. Clearly, Joel Schumacher was having a good time, but listen, that was the movie where Batman's nipple showed through his costume. Too erotic for me, too gay for me, But I mentioned Chris O'Donnell for a reason. I know he ended up with a gig on one of the CSI TV series. I don't even know which one. Don't ask me. I don't care. But I got to tell you something. The CSI series, as much as I love David Caruso in CSI Miami. (laughs) I love that show. That show kind of ended my auditioning career. You know what I mean? Like, I was out there auditioning for shows and shit and... I knew I knew what you did when you got the pages or the sides for a CSI episode. I knew you were in the first few minutes. They thought you were the murderer or you were the guy at the party when the girl was found dead, possibly roofied. Where were you? I know all the players and who these... I get it. It's cookie-cutter bullshit. And I know how to act. But I found myself not able to act so poorly. Like, I know what they wanted. It's just like... Look, we're making cookies here, man. Just be the guy who has the girl and you gave her a roofie and you deny it and later on in the show, we think you're guilty but it turns out her girlfriend's guilty. Can you play that guy? No, I can't. Because I can't purposely act badly to suit the director of this episode's desires. I can't do it. So because of that, I stopped auditioning. I really did. I, I, I can't stand that shit. But... What I wouldn't have given to be on an episode of CSI Miami, with the great, the great Ginger David Caruso. I mean, let me tell you something right now. Me and my nephew Joey. Um, we used to watch CSI Miami, even though we lived on different coasts or different time zones at the time, and we'd call each other, laughing, like hounds. Because of how David Caruso would begin each episode. And even if you've never seen an episode of CSI Miami, you know. If you've never heard of David Caruso's character, Horatio Cain, you know. If you think, you know, you know what all you need to know about Caruso, you don't. You've had to see him in CSI Miami. Any movie he did, which I know you're going through your, your Rolodex in your mind, what movies did David? Not many. David Caruso had a phenomenal television career and then thought, I'm bigger than TV. I'm going to make movies. And he didn't do shit. And I know some stories about him being a tough guy and a wise guy in the set of a movie. And he was working with my buddy Chuck Zito, the former Hells Angel. And Chuck had invited some other Hells Angels to work with him on that particular movie. And David Caruso was acting like an asshole. And they fucked him up. (laughs) They... Fucked him up. They had to stop shooting for the day, tend to his injuries, a split lip, you know. You can't backtalk the Hell's Angels. Take it from me, I was knocked out in a janitor's closet at a strip club by the one and only Chuck Zito. Thank God we're friends to this day. But yeah, you can't do that. But Horatio Key shows up at the crime scene. Of course, he gets the rundown of the crime and he talks to his partner, Frank. And he'll go, the verdict is in, Frank. Then there's a pause. He puts on his sunglasses always. And then he'll finish with a quip with a great one-liner. The verdict is in, Frank. But the jury is out. Then you cut to the who's singing, we won't get fooled again. No, no. I mean, guys, girls, (laughs) that was television at its greatest. It really was. We won't get fooled again. I mean, great cookie-cutter show, but I could not audition for a role to be one of those people. I I, I just couldn't do it. And by the way, for good measure, they throw in Liv Tyler in in, 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 uh, Pearl Harbor. And they had Aerosmith, her daddy, singing the big song in the finale, I Don't Wanna Miss a Thing. Liv's mom, B.B. Buell, big groupie. Oh, my God. I used to get calls from B.B. Buell, who was... Spent her whole life banging all different lead singers and guitarists and drummers and managers. The one thing about groupies is they're not um, choosy, all right? B.B. Buell was one of these chicks just like Pamela DeBars was. Um, she wrote a great book called I'm with the Band. I made a movie with her former husband, Michael DeBar. The bars, and he's great. He's in London now doing Drive Time Radio. We made a movie called Diary of a Sex Addict. But these chicks were wild back then, just like the movie Almost Famous. You got that Kate Hudson in the role of the chick who's a groupie for the band. And Tiny Dancer, that song that Bernie Taupin and Elton John made is about the chick who tends to to the things that the guys in the band need. It's just one of those things that you have to understand rock and roll to understand exactly what that particular person means to the group. But you've got Liv Tyler, you got Aerosmith, Steven Tyler singing the big song, a lot of big parts, the, the beautiful Kate Beckinsale, the handsome, rugged Ben Affleck. All the explosions. We're talking Michael Bay directing. Pearl Harbor, American history. And I'm going, why do we need a love story in the middle of a Pearl Harbor movie? Why? Why? But this was Michael Bay back in the day. Nobody could tell him shit about how a big movie needed to be. Please try to watch this movie again if you see it, come on. No shot seems to last more than five seconds. No scene lasts more than one minute. And it made me think of how many bad decisions Hollywood has made over the years. In fact... I think I'm going to do a show next week, strictly on some of the worst Hollywood decisions ever made. And believe me, I will not run out of material. Like, look, I'm not even a huge fan of Batman. I like it, but like I said, I don't, I don't keep it on if I'm scrolling and I see it's there. But uh, I do have to admit, I did like Michael Keaton as Batman. I liked the fact that the world had accepted Michael Keaton as Batman. There were some doubts in the beginning the first time around, but Danny DeVito and Michelle Pfeiffer were perfect as the penguin and Catwoman. But then the movie ends with the penguin's dead, but Catwoman is still alive. You know, she's got nine lives. She probably lost eight of them. Perfect setup for a spin off movie about Catwoman, right? But Hollywood Studios didn't think in terms of cinematic universes back then when they finally got around to making Catwoman, the movie 12 years later they get rid of Michelle Pfeiffer and they start it over with Halle Berry from beautiful vanilla to beautiful chocolate Halle Berry had just won Best Actress two years earlier she's at the peak of her fame the movie bombed and it shot her down a bunch of rungs on the Hollywood ladder and when she won Worst Actress at the Razzie Award she had the good humor to show up and accept the award in person which most people do not do and she said first of all I want to thank Warner Brothers for putting me in a piece of shit god awful movie it was just what my career needed I was at the top and then Catwoman just plummeted me to the bottom I love it it's hard being on top it's much better being on the bottom Hollywood, I mean, look, all this could have been avoided if they just stuck with the Catwoman everyone loved and not waited 12 years to give it a movie. (sighs) I'm going to do a show on Hollywood's worst decisions, okay? I'll get to it next week. So let me now get into what I want to talk about today. So this just in, Trump derangement syndrome is alive and well. In fact, I would uh, venture a guess to say I've never seen it this hot in uh, the last seven years or so. It's good news because the only reason why the hate is turned on so high is because Democrats know, despite Trump's baggage and indictments and God knows whatever else he's dragging around behind his ass, he's still the free and clear winner if the election took place today. Especially with Joe Biden is saddled with with a war on each end of the world and the southern border being wide open. Anyhow, however you feel about Donald Trump, I'm not here to convince you to like him. I, I can't believe there is another man that could still get up before dawn every day like he does and take the slings and arrows that find him. Go scroll Twitter X, Instagram, anything. All you see is people and organizations trying to convince you that the world would be somehow better or, or, or actually be in worse condition if Trump was president again. They think it's better that Biden's there. Of course, I don't feel that way. But look, I'm not here to convince you either way. That's politics as a bitch's job and there'll be a show coming in the next day or two with that. Anyhow, Here's someone you cannot stand him to the point that, well, some people feel like they have to quit their job because they hate Trump so much. Can you imagine? Marin Morris. Marin Morris is a little pint-sized country singer who, I wouldn't know if she showed up at my door tonight, to be honest with you, but she did recently say that the Trump years exposed the bigoted views of people in the country music industry. And that's what led her to give up on her genre. Now, I don't really know her music, but I have heard of one of her hits, Get the Hell Out of Here, which is kind of a fitting title when you think about what's going on in her life right now. She hasn't only quit country music, but this just in, her husband, Ryan Hurd, just quit her. Yes, a divorce is underway on account of Irreconcilable differences. And trust me, I have a feeling I know why. As a matter of fact, one of my patrons, Deborah Cruck, sent me a message saying, Woken and broken and now divorced too. Hmm, coincidence? I have to use her line because it's brilliant. Woken and broken. That's exactly what happened to Marin Morris. It really is. Could it be that? her husband has a little bit of red in him and it doesn't quite blend with his wife's blue blood views. Either way, it's another way of saying, whenever you say irreconcilable differences, it basically means we're not fucking anymore and we haven't been fucking for a while. Now, when she was very upset about our music genre, she She had this transition from country music over the last year to not knowing what to do. She was very confused. And primarily she blamed it all on what she called the Trump years for allowing people to feel proud for being misogynistic and racist in their music. And she said, after the Trump years, people's biases were on full display. It just revealed who people really were and that they were proud to be misogynistic and racist and homophobic and transphobic. All these things were being celebrated and it was weirdly dovetailing with this hyper-masculine branch of country music. I call it butt rock. Oh, for fuck's sake. Oh, Jesus. She also dismissed the rise of songs like Try That in a Small Town. And she said, people are streaming these songs out of spite. It's not out of true joy or love of the music. It's to own the libs, and that's so not what music is intended for. She said, music is supposed to be the voice of the oppressed, the actual oppressed, and now it's being used as this really toxic weapon in culture wars. First of all, what a load of shit. I don't care what she feels about Trump. Everybody has opinions about that guy. But Jesus Christ, since when is music supposed to be the voice of the oppressed? You mean there's no songs out there? Can somebody tell Pharrell that he shouldn't sing songs named Happy? Happy. Or Bobby McFerrin, Don't Worry, Be Happy. Were those guys oppressed? No, asshole. Music is for everyone, not just people oppressed. Anyhow, whenever I hear a woman speak like this, I never imagine that she's home with a happy man, okay? And here we are. The kids are calling it quits on their relationship after five years and both say they've been separated since the complaint was filed October 2nd. She said in the court documents that during the marriage, the parties have accumulated certain assets and certain debts. And prior to the marriage, the parties entered into a prenuptial agreement. Okay, that's good news. She also requested to be awarded her separate property. And they want joint custody of their son, who's three named Hayes. Now, these two met when they were both songwriters in Nashville. And they co-wrote some beautiful songs. Last Turn Home for Tin McGraw. Sundown, Heaven Town. That album. Big time album. And they continued working together through the years. And they worked on uh, Morris's first studio album called Hero. They shared some credits on the album's hits Girl and Humble Quest. These are songs I've never heard of. I'm just telling you what they've done. Heard. Her husband also found success in the country music genre, having written number one songs for Blake Shelton, Lady A, and Luke Bryan. Excuse me. So both of these idiots never have to work again, as long as they live within their means, because nothing pays better than writing hit songs. That is forever money. And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW group. prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Hey, what is it? 60 years since Mick Jagger and Keith Richards wrote Satisfaction? We could all live on that money right now that's generated from people playing Satisfaction. Matter of fact, Keith Richards was such a heroin addict. I mean, right now he does nothing. He even quit smoking. Keith Richards is like a health freak now. Drinks smoothies in the morning. But back in the day, in 1962, when Satisfaction came to be, he would be playing his guitar at night and trying to come up with new riffs and he'd run this tape recorder, this giant machine. And he would shoot heroin and, you know, sometimes he'd fall asleep and He'd wake up hours later with the tape still running and nothing being played. But one day he said, no, I know I played something that I really liked. I know there was a chord and a riff in there that I liked. And he finally rewound that big old giant tape machine and found Down, 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 down. Could you imagine? That was almost lost because of his addiction to heroin. But he had the good sense to go back and look for it. And here we are. That's how close it came to us not ever hearing or knowing how beautiful a song satisfaction could be. Wow. Drugs are bad, but Jesus Christ, sometimes they're good. I'm not sure he could have come up with that if he'd been straight changing gears here, people. There is a um, a story coming out of uh, well, look, so much is coming out of this war between Hamas and Israel and every single day on every single channel. We, we know. We're being bombarded with images and stories and accusations about this war. Who did this? Who bombed that? Was it this? Did, it's just so much shit. And P-pads is flying to Israel to talk to these people tomorrow, the next day. I, I, oh my God, I can't believe we're sent. why don't we just send a chimpanzee? What's the difference? I love the fact that the actor Michael Rappaport goes on his podcast and says, I don't want nobody using the word Jews. I don't want anybody who is not of the Jewish faith to use the word Jews. You should say Jewish people, Jewish faith. Don't say Jews. Biden gets on TV and says Jews a hundred times. So Michael Rappaport, go fuck yourself. You're not going to say shit about Biden. He's your man. He's your man. I hate the, I, I hate so many people. I don't know what to do with myself. What do you do when you, when you just hate so many people? Oh my God. Anyhow, Vogue magazine has this obnoxious contributing editor-at-large named Gabriela Karifa Johnson. I'll give you a minute to decide if she's white or black. Gabriella Karifa Johnson. She's black, okay? She has wiped her job title from her Instagram account because she unleashed a rant in which she likened Israel to an apartheid state, which is committing genocide, and she compared the Israeli Defense Forces to a terrorist organization. This chick is 32. She's an editor, she's a stylist, she's fat, okay? I'm sorry, but this this has to do with the story because when you see her and think that Vogue magazine thinks she's the person who should be some sort of beauty, ed- beauty editor and stylist, it boggles my mind. Back in 2021, she became the first black woman to style a Vogue cover. And that sparked an outrage. And she lashed out against some fashion insiders who questioned her beliefs in recent days. And a spokesperson for Vogue decided to distance the magazine from Karifa Johnson's views. They said, Gabriella's social media posts and opinions are her own and do not represent those of the company. I can imagine that meeting. What the fuck did she say? Oh, no, no. No, no, no. We have to separate up. We have to push away from her. But she's black and overweight. We'll be called racist. And I, I know, but we, we have to. Can you imagine what goes on in these meetings nowadays? Nowadays. So people who are close to this situation emphasize that uh, Karifa Johnson is not a full-time employee at the Anna Wintour-run magazine. And they said she was never instructed by anyone at Condé Nast to scrub her editor title from her Instagram profile, but she did any Before that, her profile said she was the global contributing editor-at-large for Vogue. Now it just says, quote, many things. Now, this chick, who has styled the likes of Kamala Harris, the singer Selena Gomez... The poet Amanda Gorman, who everybody went apeshit over and her poems, Suck. And her friend and model, Gigi Hadid. Well, she ruffled a lot of feathers when she went on a rant uh, about a week ago or so. The day after Hamas terrorists massacred at least 1,300 kids, women, men, and elderly people in Israel and captured about 200 hostages, she said, it's so disappointing to see the utter lack of understanding of the basic tenets and tactics of colonization and one's willingness to justify and defend those systems which have only ever oppressed. Damn. I hate when Instagram shows me what I hope I never know about the people I follow and their horrifying belief systems. This shithead has worked for brands like Calvin Klein, Stuart Weitzman, Joseph al and Target. And she's questioning how many people could say, I stand with Israel, while she continues to talk about strikes that are hammering Gaza following Hamas's refusal to return the hostages. And she went right back and said, I cannot believe that the world is watching in silence as genocide, in all caps. A mass Palestinian extinction plan is happening before our very eyes. These are war crimes, all caps. A mass, I mean, I just... A mass Palestinian extinction plan is very specific language to equate Israel with Nazis. It's very middle and sick. She posted a very bitter exchange between her and the former French Vogue stylist Celia Azoulay who told her that she should show the same compassion with Israeli civilians getting murdered. I don't know why that's so hard for people to do. But Karifa Johnson came right back saying she never denied Israelis were murdered, but that the number of Israelis harmed was far less than the number of Palestinians in the retaliation. Then she turned to the IDF and said that the defense unit has killed thousands of Palestinians this year, not Hamas. IDF is a torture agency sponsored by the Israeli apartheid state. Wow. So these two went back and forth. Azulay was pissed and kind of balked at the comparison of the nation's defense forces to the terrorist organization of Hamas which brutally slaughtered babies, raped women, and burned people alive during their attack. And Azoulay said, you're ignorant. You can't even have a constructive conversation, which right right now, by the way, many people can't have. It's just, we're all perplexed and bamboozled, and we don't know the God's honest truth about who's doing what, what bombs are going where, who's killing who. You know, most of us here in America would like to think that these awful bombs that hit hospitals and schools are the work of Palestinians, not, I'm sorry, of Hamas. We have to remember that Hamas is a certain percentage, a small percentage of Palestinians. But there are many people who believe, no, Israel's doing those bombings. They're bombing hospitals in Gaza. They're killing children. Every fucking day, all day, we get conflicting news reports. The president here, the people there. No one knows what the fuck is going on. My father always said, and he's been dead since 1985, my father always said the Middle East and the Jews are going to be the end of this world. Here we are. Is it the end? I'll tell you right now, we've never been closer. So... I don't know what you need to do next and what you haven't done, what's on your goddamn bucket list, but do it while you can. And this, I don't want to say the wrong word, but this, Karifa Johnson posted another heated exchange with a fellow stylist named Braden Nelson, who wrote to her, you sound as though you're supporting the pain that is being put on innocent Jewish people. Your ignorance is shocking. But then again, you got your platform from being bullied by a celebrity. He was obviously referring to Karifa uh, Johnson's spat with Kanye West last year. That's when Kanye insulted her because she criticized him for wearing his White Lives Matter t-shirts at a fashion show, his Yeezy fashion show. She called them deeply offensive, violent, and dangerous. And Kanye was right to mock Karifa Johnson's sense of style. He put up a photo of her with the caption, this is not a fashion person. She's not. She's too fat. She looks like a slob. I'm sorry. I'm sorry, but that's not the person you put in front of your magazine, especially if you're Vogue and act like this is the woman we stand behind when it comes to beauty and fashion and style. Are you out of your mind? It looks like she wears pool covers or, or drapes, curtains, parachutes to make dresses and ensembles. She's not a fashion person. Kanye's right. Of course, Vogue came to her defense and they said, We stand with Gabriela Carifa Johnson, our global fashion editor and longtime contributor. She was personally targeted and bullied. It's unacceptable. Look, this one's got a big mouth, okay? Along with a big ass and a big head. She went round and round with Kanye West. When he was in his manic phase, yes, I know. But good for him. He ridiculed her because of the White Lives Matter t-shirts. And he basically told her, "You you don't belong in the position you were given. She doesn't. And she responds, you know, your girl has been through it. I'm exhausted, but I'm so moved by and grateful for the outpouring of love I've received here and elsewhere over the last 24 hours. I feel so blessed to belong to a community that would show up for me like this. She's 31 years old. And she said, one thing about me, I will always speak my mind and always try to honor my truth. My thoughts are my own, and I stand by them. Thank you all for supporting me in that 31 years old was when I began my career at the New York Daily News. You don't know a fucking thing by that time. You don't need to be commenting on the world at large. You don't. You work at a fashion magazine. Don't comment on terrorism overseas in the Middle East. You just don't know enough. Can't stand people like this. Kanye ripped her a new ass in two. This is not a fashion person. He showed a picture of her wearing brown boots, a striped knit shirt, a yellow graphic t-shirt and a corduroy trench coat with bright blue Balenciaga purse. And he zoomed in on the boots and said, I know Anna Wintour hates these boots. (laughs) You can't fight with Kanye. He's insane. But she said, the fat phobia jumped out. Yes, I am fat. No, I'm not humiliated. Show up as my authentic self in the world. I hate when people talk this way. Yeah, you are a little humiliated. You don't like the way you look. You just don't. Deep down inside, you don't. Give me two hours with you, and you'll admit you hate the way you look. But she said she's worked hard to feel confident in her body. You've worked hard. What's working hard with a body like that? Was it hard twisting the, 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 the top of the jelly jar? Was it difficult or hard lugging all those cases of Red Bulls up to your apartment? Worked hard. My ass. Listen, I don't want to be called out for fat shaming. All of you know me by now. I'm the first guy to throw rocks. I throw the first stone because my house is glass. I know I should lose weight. And you know what? For a good 40 weeks of the year, I don't do shit to fix that. I'm speaking the truth. Basically means I don't work hard to want to look better. A lot of us get sedentary. We sit on our asses. We scroll through our phones. We stop when we see Pearl Harbors on TV. We watch Instagram for an hour. We go down rabbit holes of actual rabbits and holes that they dig and live in. Nobody as big as this woman is happy with the way they look. And I'm serious. They convince themselves or they surround themselves with people who tell them what they want to hear. Girl, you look fine. Why are you stressing? How many women work as a beauty editor at large for Vogue? Stop tripping. Yeah, tripping. She can't trip because that would mean actually tried to run at some point. Sick of people talking this way, man. Of course, Gigi Hadid came to her defense and slammed Kanye. You wish you had a percentage of her intellect. You have no idea. If there's actually a point to any of your shit, she might be the only person that could save you, she wrote to Kanye. Kanye wrote back, you a ball with a silver spoon in your mouth, bitch. (sniffs) What do you know? He's so right. And actually, there it is. The Vogue chick is friends with the Hadid sisters, Gigi and Bella, who are both proud Palestinians. And I guess it's safer. It's a safer play for her. I mean, I don't know, are there any Israeli supermodels besides Bar Raffeli, which was, I don't know, 10, 12 years ago? No, there really isn't. So that's where she thinks she ought to be. And I guess the fight will move on for days on end. But this chick and Vogue magazine and any other people or organizations who aren't equipped to speak on this awful war and what is going on between Hamas and Israel and now Hezbollah stepping in and Iran stepping in and America coming in and doing what we're going to do with thousands of men and women who are going to be called in to fight and our warships are heading. Man, it's a big fucking mess. And all I can tell you is I'll end this show like I began it. Yes, there is a a huge amount of people who have Trump derangement syndrome. You all have your reasons for not liking him, not trusting him. I'm not going to sit here and pledge and act like, hey, I can fix all your minds right now. No, I'm not going to do that. The guy's been so vocal and so loud and so visible and admittedly has been so guilty of things that other people would never have gotten away with. Although there are some, some things he's done that other people would never even begin to charge other people with. He is definitely walking around with a bullseye on his chest, his back, and his asshole. I don't know how any of us would be able to maneuver in our daily lives with three bullseyes on our body. But this guy keeps on walking, keeps on talking, doesn't fall down. Meanwhile, our president trips upstairs shakes hands with imaginary people, stops talking in mid-sentence, forgets people's names, talks about the hair on his legs and makes up imaginary friends. Listen, guys, he also calls his son the smartest person he ever met. Joe Biden's an asshole. Trump is a narcissistic braggart. But all I want to stress is that while he was in office, as much as you hated the way he sounded and you hated his orange complexion and his over-tanned face and his stupid swoopy hairstyle, listen, man, nobody can mock him better than I can. I hated him more than anybody in this world did 26, 27 years ago. But right now, there's nobody better to step in and change the course of this country changed the course of the world because when he was in power as our president, none of this bullshit and nonsense was happening. We could afford groceries. Gas wasn't a problem. Unemployment was way down. We were energy independent. And more than anything else, there was peace around the globe. People said when Trump's in office, there'll be wars everywhere. No, He was the first president in a long time to not have one war on his resume in the four years he sat in the White House. And more important than anything else, our enemies are sick fucking calculated madmen around the world. China, Russia, Iran, North Korea, Palestine, all the assholes and the Taliban and ISIS and Hezbollah and you name it, even MS-13. They were on the heels of their feet because they wouldn't dare do what they think they were able to do with Trump in office. You need somebody, especially right now, guys. I, I, I mean, maybe some of you are too old to understand the street fighting mentality. You need somebody on the block to walk out of his house while a bunch of assholes are fighting in the street with bats and bricks and what have you. say, hey, Put down your bullshit. I'm the guy that runs this fucking block. And I'll tell you who does what. We don't have that now. Biden's not that guy. He's the old man that says, get off my lawn. Trump the guy. Trump is the guy that blows up your fucking car when you don't do what he says. That's the guy we need. All right. I got more to say about this on the next Politics is a Bitch. And like I tell you to join fame as a bitch, the same thing applies to politics. Go to patreon.com. Say it with me now. Patreon.com slash fame bitch or patreon.com slash politics is a bitch. Join the army. We got to fight, guys, girls. We got to fight. Can't sit on our asses anymore. I'm AJ Benson. That was your free show, my free birds, for October 19th, 2023. I'll talk to you soon. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Thank you for listening. Fame is a Bitch is an A.J. Benza Workhouse Connect production featuring the endless wisdom, insightful commentary, and sometimes fucked up perspective of A.J. Benza. Executive producer, Mike Agavino. Tax day is coming. Oh, no.